0: Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Political State Podcast from The Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder. Today is Friday, February 15th, and earlier this week, most of Oklahoma held elections for city and school board races. That was also the case here in Oklahoma City, which had four council seats up for election, including for two open seats. James Cooper was elected in Ward 2, while Councilman Mark Stonecipher and Councilman David Greenwell won their re-election bids. In Ward 6, which includes downtown, midtown, and many communities south of the Oklahoma River, Joe Beth Hammond won as a political newcomer, drawing attention for beating a better funded opponent and running a campaign focused on homelessness, public transportation, and sustainability. My guest this week is Councilwoman elect Hammond. Councilwoman elect, welcome. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: One of the images from the election night that I remember that was shared online was video of you finding out, or at least around the time that you found out that you had won the election. What was that moment like for you when you learned that you had won this race outright?
1: i I think I spent I've spent much of the last month, but particularly that on Tuesday, just trying not to trying to temper my expectations um on most election days that I have, you know, a fair amount of buy-in for a certain candidate. Um, I have a hard time just like, you know, letting letting myself just like try not to have too many expectations about what might happen. Um, so I think all day I was trying so hard to be emotionally distant from whatever the results might be um, that when, yeah, when my team kept saying, no, you did it, you won outright. I was like, no, surely that's not right. Like we we're, we can't say that yet, right? Like I don't, I don't think I just was having a hard time believing it, but then they just started yelling, no, it's real. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, just, and two, you know, just trying to stay kind of, more balanced all day and not try to get too much in my head. I think it was uh, it was just emotional, just the the feeling of like all of this like work that we put in, and not just me. Like I mean, I did do a lot of work, but all these people who said, you know what, I think like this resonates with me, and I want to help out. Um, just like felt like a huge sigh of relief to think that 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 can make a difference. Um, when in the past it feels like sometimes you do put a lot of work in and and it doesn't go your way, so yeah.
0: so this was an open seat, so it didn't have an incumbent, and so in, in one way you're not going against an established incumbent incumbent. But even in a race like this, there are perceived front runners, and you know without getting into to too great a detail, your your opponent or one of your opponents who had more money had more name recognition for a lot of political observers was the front runner. And I'm curious. I mean, you know, every candidate feels like they have a shot to win and believes in their chances. But how how much of a shot did you think you really had in um, in winning a race that ended up being, um, you know, a, a surprise for many people who watch who watch city politics?
1: Yeah. I mean, given the sort of, I think, shift over the last few years, in especially in Oklahoma City, and I mean, generally, I think in a lot of urban areas, but particularly Oklahoma City, you know, demographics have changed a lot. Um, back in 2015, you know, uh, when when Bob Waldrip ran against the incumbent, he got surprisingly close with just knocking doors. Like, he, he did a lot of on-the-ground work, from what I understand, and barely spent any money. And so, looking at that, I think, made me th- Made me sort of have this feeling that like I think I think Ward Six is shifting and um, that there is some like hunger for something different um, for maybe people who aren't sort of part of that what you might like you said perception of um, of a front runner. Um, so I think I mean I had I had a feeling that it was possible, but I was. I was almost like 90 something percent convinced that we were gonna have a runoff just um, given some of the races in the last year yeah. that have had three candidates and um, had w- particularly one of them has has been female and you know under you know outspent and um, younger and so and all of those <laughs> that I'd been following all went to runoff. So I was like, you know what? that's just I gotta like, I got to get to Tuesday, February 12th. That's sort of the date I just had in my mind of like, I can get to there and then figure out what's next. But I just had this feeling like, we'll we'll just have to keep doing this for another month and a half or whatever it would be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's an interesting point you make about Bob, Bob Waldrip's campaign from a few years ago um, and some of the issues that he hit on that seemed to resonate with a lot of voters in the ward, some of the same issues that you, you put forward. And, uh, you know, of course, in a February election, you you don't know who's going to show up. show up. It's usually low turnout. Um, but did you? But did you feel like these issues that you were you were pushing forward—public uh, transportation, sustainability, um, issues of poverty, and, and improving live, improving conditions for you know the city's working class—which are very relevant issues in this ward—did you feel like that that drove? more people to the polls did you did you resonate with voters who maybe in the past don't typically cast a cast a vote for a city council election
1: i think so i mean um i haven't gotten to dive too deeply into like precinct numbers um but i think within some of the north side particularly i think some of the north side um precincts where maybe younger people who haven't really been engaged especially in like local the smaller you know local elections um I think having someone who maybe more like resonated with them or that they could sort of identify with a little bit more um, I think drove some turnout that maybe you know they didn't vote in 2015 or I had some friends who um, just had you know or even you know some doors that I knocked on where it was you know a a parent like a set of parents who have been very uh, active voters but they just had a child that turned 18 so they're voting for the first time and they're encouraging their child to pay attention to some of these local races because because of the impact it can have on their day-to-day lives. Um, so I think that there is that aspect that hopefully, and and even just looking at the um, at some of the numbers compared to 2015, just overall it seems like there was maybe some more turnout just based on um, that that sense of paying a little more attention to some local races, regardless of maybe who's running. But I think maybe having someone who uh, people could identify with a little bit more, maybe got some people out that might not have before.
0: Okay. I want to get more into your platform, but let's take a step back for a moment. Why did you decide to get into the city council race?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I I sort of always talk about how the, you know, I I hadn't paid too much attention to city government until I moved to Oklahoma City and decided, you know, when I moved that I was going to go, I had gotten into a car wreck and my car was totaled before I moved away from after college um, with always just the intention of like, oh, I'll take that insurance money and when I move back or move somewhere I need it, I'll, I'll buy a cheap car. Um, but because I'd moved to Chicago and didn't need a car and kind of got the experience of using a really comprehensive public transit system and um, kind of seeing how like a city, how these like neighborhoods um we're so we're so, it was so easy to connect with people in a way that I hadn't experienced in Oklahoma. Um, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can maybe I can figure it out <laughs> if I move back to Oklahoma. So maybe I can figure out what what public transit there is. But and so when I moved back, and there was no Sunday bus service, um, and I would get off the bus somewhere, and there wouldn't be a sidewalk. I just kept thinking, who am I supposed to talk to about these things? And so I started kind of paying attention to to kind of what the city was in charge of and trying to advocate from kind of just the constituent or like you really felt like sort of user end of like, you know, let's talk like, I'll just talk about the bus more with people um, or like talk about this experience I had trying to bike somewhere and um, kind of that just advocacy, I guess. Um, But in the last couple of years when, um, and I was always sort of content to just like, I'll, you know, support candidates that I see or like I resonate with and I want to um you know I want to see them in that seat or whatever I was co- sort of content with that feeling and in the last few, few years and I think too just didn't see myself as someone who uh was like oh I'm not a politician type like that's not you know um but in the last few years seeing more young people more women more people even just from like public health social services yeah. nurses teachers saying you know, if we don't have a seat at the table when we're talking about policy, like we're always just gonna like be running to catch up with our emails or our phone calls. Um, but if the people who are kind of in the seats making decisions don't have, you know, similar priorities or have people like us in mind, um, like we're always kinda, we're just, we're doing what we can, but it's usually doesn't feel like enough to really make a, an, a significant impact. So um, yeah, around a little, less than a year. Well, probably about a year ago around now I started sort of realizing, oh, I think city council is probably up um and sort of had heard rumblings that, you know, Councilman Salier was probably going to be retiring and um so just kind of reached out to a few people to ask, you know, do you have you heard of anyone who's running that I might want to support and can just like Throw some of the money I have, you know, the little money that I have, at them, um, and and maybe volunteer or help host something. Um, and I just wasn't hearing anyone that resonated with with the what I was my where, where my perspective and my head was at. Um, so I was like, I guess I have sort of just volunteered myself for this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about public transportation yeah. because that was obviously a big part of your campaign and one of the things that I think is interesting about the results of Tuesday with your win and the win of James Cooper is I think out of all the candidates Cooper may have had at least in his race had the the most detailed platform when it came to public transit it's not uncommon for a city council candidates to talk about the importance of public transit we've seen a lot more of that talk in recent years um, but, but Cooper who has experience um, you know, as not just a public transit rider, but on the city's transit board, talked a lot about the details of, of specific details of what he'd like to see done. And the same for you as a public tra- transit user. Uh, you seem to have some specifics on your platform of ways you would like to improve the city's public transportation, pr- public transportation system.
1: Yeah, Um so, yeah, I think, yeah, Councilman Elect Cooper definitely has a lot more of the, I think, technical knowledge, especially since I know he served kind of on the essentially the oversight board for the our transit agency for the city. Um, so kind of from the like user writer perspective, um, my my mind and also even I mean, just working in social services and talking with coworkers, you know, partner agencies and you know we always talk about and kind of are always in this conversation of transportation is one of the biggest barriers for most people Um, whether it's you know they miss a bus and so they miss the appointment or um, or the bus is just running late and they miss an appointment um, or miss an interview or don't have access to a place to work because wherever they could maybe get a job is you know miles from the last bus stop or whatever um that coming from that perspective of um and knowing that our city is gigantic (laughs) kind of absurdly gigantic um and that there are just limitations um as far as what resources we have and what we can do with those um for me finding ways that we can pursue 10 to 15 minute bus uh service time and um you know improve our our stops in general uh i know i know embark i've communicated quite a bit in different ways with a lot of the different staff that work for embark and i know they're doing like everything they they're so they have such this heart for serving the the, the folks who rely on the system um, that I'm really interested in finding ways to support that work because they're really the experts. They have so much knowledge of transit planning and um, they're the ones who go to the regional conferences and learn about best practices and um, and so I think it's it's kind of an exciting prospect to have people who kind of see it from the user end and can can like kind of meld minds and uh, kind of just connect over you know from the what are like what are your limitations as an agency and how can how can we find the like ways to improve improve the system kind of from tackling it from both ends Um, because some of it too I think is you know I think there are people maybe who are younger who just want to rely on their car less um, but there's that just kind of educational or cultural barrier of and and just maybe a factor of intimidation that having people who kind of have mid-platform to say well let's go on a bus ride together and and kind of just help raise the profile and like lessen the stigma of of bus ridership I think can um, has the potential to uh, to hopefully even just increase the ridership um, so that that there's more of maybe a case to make for uh, folks who don't have it as a priority.
0: Well, I think you can definitely say in some ways that there's a mandate for the city to focus on public transit, at least when you look at your election and the election of Cooper. Um, But, you know, public transportation once again can mean many different things to people. And there's, there's some who seem to be focused on the city's bus system. There's others who talk about the streetcar system and and regional rail. And so I'm, I'm curious what, would you like to see specifically done in the area of public transit? What issues do you think the city can achieve when it comes to its public transportation system here over the next several years, realistically?
1: Sure. Um, Realistically, yes. Uh, If I had my, I could do my big pie in the sky dreaming. Um, Yeah, I think I I know and I've heard from from Councilman Elect Cooper, that one of the the big barriers to 10 to 15 minute service is just our fleet is limited. So I think the potential of maybe investing um, in our fleet as part of Maps Four could be very interesting to me. Um, and I think too there it'll be a conversation, particularly to have with our with the new Regional Transit Authority about you know there's uh, there's the Kind of thinking about kind of yes, what can Oklahoma City be doing and what will that look like in ten years? But how is that all going to connect together with this more, maybe more regional vision? Um, and so for me, it's I don't feel like we're at a time, and I would be curious to talk to you know some some transit experts to to hear their input. But it doesn't feel like we're necessarily at a time where we maybe need to be investing in more rail within the city. Um, I think that there's some rail opportunities with an RTA that we can be looking at, um, but within the city, I think we can think about how we can be responding to that with our, our rubber tire service. Um, and so I, I think finding ways that we we can kind of be working together and thinking in that long-term vision rather than just sort of what, what feels like flashy and fun in the moment um, is, is kind of where my mind is at.
0: You know, another issue you talked a lot about on the campaign trail was affordable housing. Yeah. And uh, affordable housing is one of those topics that's getting a little bit more attention here in Oklahoma City. It's something that's talked a lot about in, in other, you know, bigger cities like maybe Denver or Austin. And and maybe for some here, it seems like affordable housing isn't quite relevant yet. But I, I, you know, I don't think that's the case. You don't think that's the case. What specifically should the city be doing as it relates to issues of affordable housing? As we continue to grow, we see more development and the, the cost of living, it goes up here
1: yeah um obviously investing in and working with our housing authority is is one piece because i know that we do have some public housing sites that just need some updates (laughs) and making sure that you know the whatever housing that we're operating as a city is um you know decent and safe you know all the things that we anybody wants out of a place to live is is one piece of it so that um you know, it provides a stable place for the folks that rely on it to to stay and not feel like maybe they're going to end up cycling out of it or they're just stuck or trapped. Um, two, I think, you know, making sure and working with um, developers, especially developers who are accessing public money, to make sure there's some policies around, you know, mixed income development, um, is is another piece of it, um, as well as you know, I'm especially when we're thinking about some of the neighborhoods that have been. Um, or are sort of targeted for these kind of placemaking efforts, and that can sometimes have this, you know, negative unintended consequence of gentrification. Um, working with the different people involved in those developments, so that we're um, we're respecting and uh, you know just finding ways to keep the people who have been there there, because um, I've I've heard from a lot of people in different neighborhoods as I was knocking doors that. You know, my neighbor is thinking about selling their house to someone for thirty or forty thousand dollars, and I tell, I keep telling them, don't do it because that person just wants to buy the house, demolish it, and then build something that's going to be, you know, two hundred thousand that they're going to put on the market at two hundred thousand dollars, which um, seems to be something that's happening in a lot of different neighborhoods as um, as we're sort of becoming a more attractive place to live. So, um, I, and I and I don't I will be the first to say that I probably need a little more education on what what the specific mechanisms are. But I think the just recognition first and saying out loud that like this is an issue that neighborhoods are experiencing um, is uh, is something that I haven't really heard from anyone in the public sphere, um, at least at our city level, um, say before.
0: You know, what's, what's interesting about some of the issues that you talked a lot about on your campaign and, and there's some similar issues, you know, Cooper talked about some of these issues in some similar ways. And there does seem to be, you know, maybe more members of the council now that feel like issues of, you know, the city's bus system, affordable housing, sustainability are important issues that maybe a few years ago, you know, would have been kind of outlier issues that you would have only seen maybe one council person, you know, consistently bringing up. Do you feel like there is kind of this momentum or more of a unified voice in a lot of these issues where you have more strengths and numbers um, on these topics on the council? Some in numbers this year. I, th- like
1: I th- yeah, I think there's some really really great opportunities just for some Yeah, just relationships. And I think too, you know, um regardless of whether you know, even I think even people expect maybe that you know oh the three four young people are always going to agree on everything yeah. and I'm sort of like I don't th- I don't think that's going to no. be the case but I think that all of us being open to having like honest conversations where hopefully we we aren't going to be necessarily I think we're maybe a little more because we're maybe all not the your typical political animal we're maybe a little um or at least I feel like I am pretty willing to say when I don't know something and <laughs> when I need to like learn more context and maybe need to revise something that I previously thought and um, I think there's I think that's what excites me about the opportunity of maybe having a little bit more um, balance as far as age and just demographics and background you know professionally um, is that particularly coming from I was just talking to one of my coworkers about that this morning that coming from a nonprofit background particularly the nonprofit I work at we have a Amazingly, uh, like just great culture work-wise. Um, that is, we're really um, collaborative, and conversation and transparency is really highly valued. Whereas, um, I think so often um, some of the spaces around politics have been dominated by particular cultures that um, that don't necessarily like value those things as much. That I think having an educator and you know someone who's been in public media, you know, just uh, Having those sorts of cultures infusing um, this space might um, might lend itself to a little more uh, agreeable disagreement sometimes, <laughs> if there is any.
0: What's your assessment of Mayor David Holt? He's, he's coming to the end of his first year in office. Uh, just what's your what's your take on Oklahoma City's new mayor?
1: Yeah, I really I really appreciate the voice he's been bringing to you know showing up at neighborhood. You know, events and um, really highlighting the different corners of the city that I think haven't been given as much sort of marketing, maybe in the past, and um, using his platform to kind of boost those voices um, has been really admirable, and I really appreciate that because I I think that's something that a lot of people have been hungry for, maybe in, in city leadership and um, having people who are. Yeah, you know, younger and maybe more well versed in social media and and just more willing to kind of engage on those platforms is um, a, a really big win for kind of what's possible as far as you know he's made himself really accessible to a lot of people that you know for better or worse might you know throw some tomatoes every once in a while but he's he's open to that and I think that's um, a really exciting kind of new model of leadership um, that that I think, again, it's sort of that different kind of just cultural difference that um, that's really exciting.
0: So the election was just a couple days ago, you have a couple months until you're sworn in in early April. So what does the next couple of months during this transition period look like for you?
1: Yeah, I'm particularly excited. There's no runoff to because I don't think I had quite put it together that if there was, you know, you get elected in a week later, you're sworn in and Yeah, I had not thought that far. So um, I'm really excited at the prospect of just being able to kind of take a little breathing time and um, not only, you know, get to learn, go get meet with city staff and kind of have a little bit more of a gentle easing into a lot of the, the learning curves I'm sure I'll experience. But also, you know, I've had a few different community groups reach out wanting to meet, um, including a church and food pantry on the south side um, that I'm excited at the opportunities to have that again and have that little bit of extra time to um, go maybe meet with some some groups that have just felt a little underheard in the past. And, um, and again, I think that's kind of that opportunity of you know they they work in a social service. and and so maybe having someone who kind of comes from the background maybe feels a little more accessible to to kind of and feel empowered to kind of wave your hand and say, "Can you come do this thing with me?" And yeah. so I'm really excited at the opportunity to have a little space to do that <laughs> yeah.
0: well councilwoman elect thanks so much for your time it's yeah. great to have you in we know there's a lot uh, going on over the next couple months as you get closer to inner office and i'd uh, love to have you on again here in the near future that'd be Great, uh, especially as you uh, learn more about uh, your new role
1: <laughs> yes i'm sure i have a lot uh, to process so that'd be great
0: all right that's going to do it for this week's episode of the political state podcast from the oklahoma you can find each and every episode on your favorite podcasting app and at newsok.com. I'm Ben Felder for The Oklahoman. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you again next week for another episode of Political State.